Story Makers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And, and this, this is Story, Story Makers Show. Show. This week we're kicking off Quick Fix Q&A, a short, fast podcast to get your questions answered in a timely way. We'll go back to our regular longer interviews every other week. So, welcome to Quick Fix Q&A. The questions for this week are drawn from those participants who signed up for free classes through Book Writing World, and as part of the sign-up, they asked us questions, and we thought, let's tackle some of those. But moving forward, you'll be able to email us at questions at storymakershow.com, or go to our Facebook page and ask your questions there. And that Facebook page is Storymakers Show. You can also go to bookwritingworld.com to sign up for the mailing list and be informed about those free classes ahead of time. And just to let you know, our full range of classes is starting next week. A bunch of them are sold out, but we have a couple spaces left in a couple classes. So if you want support for your writing, uh, more answers, please check out bookwritingworld.com backslash classes. All right. And with that, let's hop into some of these questions. So the first question comes from I don't know who. Do you find a reader who is your best critic? Sometimes too many voices only confuse me and make revision harder. That's a great question. Absolutely. Um, Do you want to start? Well, I think one of the things that I look for in a reader is someone who's got a good understanding of what I'm trying to do. So rather than bringing their own opinions about style or their own opinions about content, they are someone who can reach beyond themselves and really get a sense of what's being attempted there. Yeah, there's kind of two interesting parts to that, because one is finding people who are within your target market, right? The people who are who are naturally going to be part of your audience, your readership, um, and, and targeting them. And then the other is finding people who are skilled at telling you what they experienced in reading your book and kind of owning that part rather than telling you how to fix it or what what you should be doing differently. Okay, well that begs a question from me. Right. If you are a YA writer, are you suggesting people should go out and and find underage people to read their books? Well, one, I think people actually absolutely do that and that's a wonderful thing to do. And two, uh, contemporary readers of YA really run the gamut of age, so you don't have to actually go underage to get somebody who would be thrilled to pick up a YA book and read it. So I think both of those things are good ways to go. Okay, so in a nutshell, our answers are find readers who understand what you're trying to do rather than keeping their own lenses of uh, feedback. People who are good readers and are able to communicate their reading experience. And really ask for that. Ask for for them to tell you what it was like reading it, not how they would write it. And lastly, members of your target audience. Great. Let's do another one. All right. I write fiction and nonfiction, and I'm currently working on a project that doesn't know which it wants to be, fiction or nonfiction. Mm. What should I do? (laughs) Well, one is, and this kind of actually is about more about um, drafting than genre, is if you're writing your way into it, uh, some of those things might get answered as you explore the draft, right? I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? 
Well, I'd actually like you to say a little bit more. So I guess what I'm saying is you don't want to start answering that question um, before it's going to be fruitful and inspirational. You don't want to use it as a way to stop you. So, for example, if you're exploring the material um, in a nonfiction way, if you're writing the, the facts and the truth and that's a rich vein, but then you find you're over here also kind of inventing answers to the questions you don't know or creating scenes who's, you know, who which are becoming fictional. If you're in an early drafting phase, it might be worth going back and forth between the two, keeping them clear and separate in your mind so that you don't end up with like a James Frey kind of uh, scandal where, you know, Oprah is saying, you told me this was the truth and it's not. Uh, So do be clear what is fiction and what is nonfiction. But actually, even if the book is going to end up as nonfiction and you cut out everything you imagine or you say, here's what I imagine might have happened and you acknowledge that this part has a fictional element to it or if it ends up with as fiction which in which case you don't really have that same issue but either way though though the writing can be helpful even if it doesn't end up included because it's inappropriate does that make sense so you're suggesting the process itself will help find you the answer that's certainly one one piece um i would say this actually put me in mind when i looked at this question of something we have everybody do in the story development course which is writing that letter to yourself about what's important about the project to you so i think sometimes if you're not sure which it wants to be you may not be clear on what is important to you about the project so i'd say set a little side uh, aside a little time for yourself and write yourself that letter what is exciting to you about the project Is it exciting because it's a true story? Is it exciting because of the possibilities of where that story could go? Um, and, and, And to focus on your reader to a certain extent, because think about how you want them to feel. That letter helps you clarify. When I have a reader and they put down their book, how do I want them to feel? And you can get a sense about whether fiction or nonfiction is going to help you move closer to that end feeling that you're hoping for. And I want to enforce the idea of actually writing this letter. Think that you, no doubt this questioner and other people listening think a lot about these kind of things, right? They're grappling with what to do. But when you go to the page and you write about it, you will come up with answers to your question that you don't come up with when you're spinning in your head about it. So I think physically writing a letter is a great idea. Okay, now we're preparing for our last question. I have a lot of material for a book, so much so that I am almost paralyzed when I try to organize it. I need some strategy to move forward. All right. Angie? Well, I think this is one of those things where looking at your own process is going to be valuable, but uh, I actually struggled with revision. I could not actually tell if this was that you have so much content or that you've done so much research. So um, assuming that that you have written pages and pages, because I think that's something I've done a lot in my life. One of the things that I find critical to that, to organizing the content, to getting clear on what to cut out, um, and just going through the process is to have a framework in mind that I have decided ahead of time is how I'm going to approach this book. So it might be, you know, one of the things I teach is like the seven steps uh, of story development. It's a great tool for going back and looking at your content and and organizing it. You have students who are planning uh, a first pass at a book and you have students who are using the story development class to revise their book. Exactly. Exactly. That that starts next week. Um, 
but one of the key ideas, whether you use the seven steps or whatever, one of the key ideas in that class we talk about is premise. And whether you have to read the book to figure out what your premise is or whether you start working on your book with a premise in mind, I think that tool helps you get really clear on what goes in the book and what doesn't go in the book. So even if you're not using a framework like a three-act structure or seven steps, having something that is thematic basically helps you decide what's appropriate for your particular project and what's not. Does it belong? Does it not belong? Great. I love that. I'm going to answer the question um, a little bit more from the like physical organizing your pages piece because I've actually worked with a lot of people who really need help with that, you know? And so then kind of in in the virtual world, there's Scrivener, I think is actually fantastic for that. It's a program that I often say it's, it's a Tesla and I use it like a bicycle, but I actually think this is to encourage people not to feel like you have to know everything about what this can do. You know, that you, you don't have to be able to fly with it. You just need to be able to move to your next step with it. And what, and what's, and we have no affiliation with Scrivener, but it's just, for me, it's been really helpful to be able to put the book into pieces and then move those pieces around. And of course you can do that um, in other ways as well. And those things can also be really helpful. Um, and I've done this before physically putting scene notes on um, index cards and sometimes I've even actually printed short scenes mm-hmm. single spaced and put them on large index cards have you printed them or have I helped you print them <laughs> even before you I did this mm-hmm. so somehow I muddled through mm-hmm. but yes it's great to have an in-house tech expert but that's a different question um, so so taking either physically or virtually being able to actually move the parts of your book around and lay them out and label them and and again, you mentioned at the beginning of this, and I'll come back to this at the end, uh, what your own process is. So how do you organize your grocery shopping? How do you organize your desk drawer? How do you organize your date book? And not that it has to be perfect. I was going to say, don't be disappointed if the way that you organize it is to not organize it. But to look at the things that do work for you, and your desk drawer might be a big mess, but it might still work for you because you know that these are the 10 things you're going to find in there. And so that's, you know, so that's going to be it. So, so whatever it is, and you know, and there we can go into this more at later times. So ask any follow-up questions you have, but look at how you do things and then use that, translate it to your writing. And, you know, one of the things, for example, even with the dump, the big messy desk drawer, and I have one here, is just printing out all your stuff and pulling it together into one big disorganized binder yeah. might be your first step, right? Mm-hmm. It just, just, um, or, you know, thinking about what, like if you, if you, if how you go grocery shopping is you don't have a list and you go and walk up and down every aisle, then it's like reading through your book and making notes about what you love, just putting stars next to the things right. you love, right? So whatever you already do to get organized, translate that to writing, embrace who you are and go into that material um, and see what you know see yeah. what you find and I will say I get overwhelmed trying to hold an entire project in my head so what I do is I break it up so Scrivener is great for breaking it up into content units um, you know Kenneth Thatchity has a whole thing where he's done talks about doing research and you do piles right of beginning middle end beginning middle yes, end and so that even be, that's Kenneth Thatchity's book um, A Writer's Time which we'll put in the show notes at showmakers at storymakershow.com so there's just a number of of ways to approach a huge amount and you know if you've got nothing else then maybe you do print it out because I think kinesthetic is really helpful so and make tremendous. stacks beginning middle end beginning middle
middle end and then and you make tons of notes I mean this is a this is a process that does take effort and supportive materials you know use um, post-its or you know and 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 then absolutely print it out and get in there and read it it seems mm. so well intuitive <laughs> no but absolutely and I think this is funny and this is where we differ because the way my brain works and the way your brain works when I hear make a bunch of notes I start to feel overwhelmed so that's why breaking it into piles for me first would be what I needed to do before yeah. I could make the notes so there's just a lot of different ways to approach it and I and I hear that you were just needed hopefully some of these tips will be useful in helping you approach that large quantity pick the ones that resonate with not how you wish you were but how you actually were are yes. and uh, and then have fun all right. Well, that's it for today's Quick Fix Q&A. Remember, if you have questions, please feel free to post them on our Facebook page at Storymaker Show or send us an email at questions at storymakershow.com. And please go to iTunes or Stitcher and rate this podcast so that other people know we're worth finding. Thank you so much. All right.